Korea are preparing, so yum. <laughs> I'm already excited. Uh, I got a smile on my face just thinking about it. Uh, so feel free to get excited about that too. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, our weekly uh, activities uh, on Wednesday, we have uh, the touch point at 9 a.m., um, we also have, of course, in the evening, we have Amplify Youth Group meeting, the kids, and we have a men's group. That's all at 6 o'clock. Uh, if you haven't come to any of those things or you know somebody who would be interested in any of those things, please come. You know, you're all are welcome. Uh, we have a link up there for the Turkey earthquake. Uh, all donations are welcome. We uh, giving that to Bethany International. The workers are already there and they're ready to help. And so you can feel free to give to that, uh, provide relief for those people there. Uh, we also have an announcement, special announcement there. Uh, you probably have heard about this, but the, uh, the movie Jesus Revolution is showing here in Bemidji this week. Uh, you can, there's a link, I think this is on the uh, emails and things like that. Uh, you can find the show times, you can also just Google uh, Bemidji theater, right? You can find out what it's playing, but feel free to support those things. Those are very, I've heard it's very good. I haven't seen it yet. I think we're, me and my wife are planning on seeing it this week, hopefully. Yeah. So, uh, just a reminder, our boxes for giving, uh, our tithes and offerings are in the back, the back walls there. So today, uh, I was thinking about uh, something I've been reading recently. I've been reading through <laughs> Uh, I say recently, I've been reading through the book of Exodus for what feels like months now, but <laughs> I don't know if you ever had that where you kind of start reading something and you get kind of stuck on it and then you maybe get sidetracked with reading other things and then you keep trying to come back to it. But so that's where I've been at, but I've been reading the book of Exodus uh, and the book of Exodus has, a, has an interesting story to tell. I'll, I'll summarize it very, very briefly here. Um, you, you're probably familiar with some parts of it. Uh, we start... Uh, the action uh, at, at a moment of probably the worst moment in the, uh, the nation of Israel's history, right? Um, we start at their, their lowest point. They're enslaved uh, to the Egyptian people, right? The, the Pharaoh has seen to it that he's going to um, put down the nation of Israel, going to not only enslave them, but actively uh, try to take away their power, take away their authority in the world, and, and actively uh, make a, a sort of war, a genocidal type of war against them by killing their firstborn sons, right? And it's a, so it's a terrible moment. It would be very scary. Uh, there would be a lot of fear, of course. Uh, but what God does is he comes in, empower it, he rescues them, he frees them from that place of enslavement, and he brings them out. And there's these beautiful moments um, where they, they, they're free from slavery, and they sing this great song. It's called the Song of, of uh, I think it's called the Song of Moses, maybe. Uh, and there's, it's this beautiful song where they're, they're, they're anticipating. They're going to go to the holy mountain. They're going to see God himself. They're going to join with him, and it's going to be this wonderful meeting between uh, the people who have been rescued and their rescuer, right? So they're anticipating this wonderful moment. Uh, and they get there. They get to this mountain uh, and what we're told is that Moses is supposed to prepare them for some kind of great meeting, right? And they're told to do these uh, purification rituals for several days. And what you realize is what they're readying themselves for isn't just meeting God, but they're readying themselves 
uh, in a way that in ancient cultures would have been seen as a wedding ritual. This is a, a meeting, a matrimonial meeting is what we realize is they're preparing themselves to meet their God. And so what happens is it says that the, the horn is going to blow and that they're going to come forward to the mountain and meet their God. And so the day comes, the wedding day approaches, right? It comes, the people have been readied, they've purified themselves, they've done these, these rituals, prepare themselves, and the horn blows, it says, and, and what happens is down on the mountain descends this great fiery cloud, there's thunder, there's clapping, it's, it's very dramatic, <laughs> it's this big moment. Uh, not quite the sort of wedding maybe you'd be used to, right? <laughs> Uh, usually that, uh, that didn't happen at our wedding, did it, hun, where uh, clouds descended and thunder and lightning and, and a terrible booming voice coming over, I am here, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and the people said, uh, the, the horn blows and Moses brings them forward, it says. Uh, and then we, we pause for a moment in the narrative. There's a, there's a cliffhanger. What, what's, what happens when, they, when the horn blows? And what we get are the parts of the Bible that maybe you, sometimes if you're reading, you kind of go, well, maybe I'll skip this part, right? Uh, it's, it's a long list of uh, what seems like rules and laws and regulations, but if you see it in the context of a wedding, uh, a wedding meeting, a matrimony, what you realize is what is happening here is we're getting the wedding vows, essentially. And these aren't the wedding vows maybe you'd be used to at a regular wedding, at, uh, but in essence, they are the same. At my wedding, to my wife, uh, we vowed to each other to, to love each other, but we also were, what we were really vowing wasn't just to do things for each other, but we were vowing to become something new to each other as well. Um, we weren't going to be just individuals living in one house. We were going to become man and wife together. We were becoming uh, what we might call a new creation, is what Paul calls it, right? A new creation when you meet with God and become something new because of that joining. Uh, you're not the same anymore once you're married. I think anybody who's in this room who's been married knows that you're not the same uh, the day after the wedding, right? Uh, and so the people uh, are given this long list of vows. And at the end of these vows, um, there's something interesting. There's a, a vow uh, to have a feast. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's an interesting set of vows, but at the very end, it's capstoned with this image of a feast. It's, he's inviting them at the very end to come and dine with him and to be in this state of all people coming together with him and sharing their lives with him in the most beautiful way that I think we can think of. Sharing a meal is such a beautiful, intimate process, right? Uh, where you are sharing your life in such a uh, obvious, beautiful way. Um, but what this had me thinking about this moment uh, in this story in Exodus uh, was my own wedding, of course. And I thought about, I was thinking about our story. Uh, and the wedding was beautiful. Uh, many of you might have been here. Um, but I remember the day after my wedding, uh, we had, uh, uh, there was a moment, I had a moment where I was gripped with intense fear and trepidation about the uh, the changes that had occurred in my life. I suddenly realized, it dawned on me, I had to be a new creation. I, was, I had joined my life with somebody else, an entirely separate person, and my life was never going to be the same, and suddenly the, the unfolding of my life seemed to kind of flash before my eyes. What was it going to be like? It was this great, strange mystery 
There were so many unknowns. There were so many things to suddenly be afraid of that I hadn't considered before. <laughs> the day before was a great party, and I was just excited by the moment, but the day after, it was suddenly like a great weight and a great... Uh, you could almost feel it. I don't know if you've ever had the, one of those moments where fear almost like it grips you around the neck, and you can feel it like a, like a, like a hand on your throat. It's not, not, a nice, not a nice feeling, right? And so you have a choice when you, when you feel like that, right? You can choose to give in to that feeling and say, well, this is the way it's going to be. It's, it's this fear, whatever it's telling me about my life, must, that must be the reality, right? Uh, that this life is going to be terrible, that all these, uh, these responsibilities, I'm going to fail at every single one, things are going to go bad at every turn, and uh, I, need to, I need to flee, I need to run, I need to give in to this fear and sink down, right, under this oppression. Um, but I didn't choose to do that that day, thankfully. Uh, I remember I, my wife came to me and she was like, what's, you know, we had a conversation about it. What's wrong? What's going on? What are you afraid of? And we comforted each other. She comforted me. And I realized in that moment, oh, okay. Uh, I don't have to try to conceive of a whole lifetime's worth of relationship. Uh, I just have to take one step, right? I'm being invited in this marriage to take it one step at a time and to uh, realize what it means to be in relationship one day at a time. And so now, many years later, uh, I can conceive of many things of what it means to be married, including uh, having our, our firstborn child. Uh, and, and just, I know many people will come up to Linnea and ask, when are you due? When are you due? And, we, and even if we told you before, maybe you'll have to ask again. March, March 17th. March 17th is that day. <laughs> there. Are we, um, just to get that out there. So it's, it's coming very soon. But uh, these are things that many, on the day after I was married, I, I, I would have had me sinking even lower into the ground. But today, I, I feel excited about the anticipation of, of all the things our relationship uh, means, right? And I can conceive of, of many things that our life has been that I couldn't have thought of or imagined at the moment. And what it took uh, wasn't... Um, uh, wasn't me just becoming what I was supposed to be in the future right then. What it took was me trusting that being in relationship in that moment was um, okay. Being in that relationship in that moment uh, was worth stepping just one step out in faith, right? And so that story I was telling in Exodus, the people come forward and there's this question, will they step forward? Will they join the wedding feast, so to speak? Will they, will they come into all these vows and things? Um, instead, what they do, we find, is they, they withdraw. They do step back. The fear sets in on them, and they, they cower away. They, they can't quite step forward. Uh, and it takes a whole lifetime. You have to read the rest of the Bible to come through to get to the personhood of Jesus, don't you? And you find that Jesus is the one who has to take that step forward instead, right? He takes that step forward, and he puts his arms out, and he puts himself on that cross for us. And then he invites us forward, doesn't he, by giving us his spirit and inviting us forward into that wedding matrimonial situation. Uh, but what I want to, I guess, say to us today is I don't know where we're all at. I don't know if we've felt those grips of fears in our lives, what doubts we have what thing, what ideas of shame uh, we have about our past, perhaps, what ideas we have about 
the future. Maybe we don't have a great prospect of the future in our heads. But whatever we're feeling today about joining with God, uh, know that you're invited today uh, to be with him, to be with him, <laughs> invited to his feast, invited to his table. Uh, and it's a wedding table. It's a beautiful table full of good things, and you're invited to sit and be with him. Uh, and what that means isn't becoming some great, grandiose thing. I know many of us, I remember thinking when I was a child, wow, could I be like my father? Could I be like the people I saw up front? Um, that seems too big to me. God seems too big to me. Maybe I need to just step back. But you're invited to just take one small step forward, to sit at the table and just see whether it's good. And I promise you, it is very, very good. So, Father, I thank you today for who you are. I thank you that you invite us forward to your beautifully spread wedding table. Uh, and thank you that you come into our lives and you join with us and you make us something new, that we don't have to uh, give in to those gripping fears that take us around the neck, but you take those hands off of us. Jesus. You take those hands off and instead you lift us up and place us somewhere that we never thought we could. So Jesus, I ask that this week that you help us to imagine the impossible, imagine the versions of ourselves that we don't think that maybe we could ever be, right? But in you, Jesus, we know that all things, just as we were singing this morning, all things are possible in you. So in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, she is, uh, I was asked about it, an update on my, on my grandmother, Glennis Coffin. She, uh, fell in her home, uh, I think it was a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. What was that? <laughs> okay. Uh, but she, uh, she's, was in Fargo for a while, uh, and now she, she, they thought she was going to have to go to rehab, but we learned that she wouldn't even have to do that. She's back in her home as of... This week, um, she's walking, she's talking, she's in good spirits. She's, she, uh, there's every reason to believe she'll be back here, hopefully not too long from now, and, and you can ask her yourselves how she's doing. So uh, praise the Lord. She's doing well. Keep praying for her. Uh, or I think we're, our family's looking for people still to kind of you know, come and visit her, to be with her, to stay with her, make sure that she's... Uh, okay, you know, kind of watching out for her that she does not falling some more, that kind of thing. So, yeah. And thank you for that update, too. And we determined we are not going to fear, we're going to trust. Amen. You know, it says in the Word in Ephesians 4 that he gave some apostles, prophets, and I guess you can make your way up here. Evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. And uh, Gus, I believe there's a prophetic slash evangelistic type anointing there and other things too maybe, but we just thank you, Lord, for that anointing and for your anointing on Gus this morning as you lead him and guide him. And then also our ears to hear what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Kashogun. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Woo. Yes. 
with his prayer blessing on Peter and Linnea as we start this morning. Some great men of God had a praying grandmother. And Peter has been blessed with a praying grandmother. Hallelujah. And so we know that when you get married, old things pass away and all things become new. And when you have a baby, it happens all over again. So we just ask God's blessing on them, on their marriage. And we ask a special blessing on that child. Hallelujah. We just want to start this morning with Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And the word of God says, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so you ask, filled with what? You know, the Bible says that we have been called to be vessels of honor. When I think of a vessel, I think of a glass. You can look at a glass and you can see through it. You can see what's on the inside of it. And God sees us. He sees what's on the inside. What we try to hide sometimes from the world, our pain, our hurts, our depression, we try to hide our sin, our bitterness, our anger, our frustrations. And so sometimes we get set in our ways. And so it's a glass sometimes filled with cement that's been set up and you try to pour water in and it won't go in. And so before we can be filled, we have to let go of some things in our lives. The Bible says, that we need to lay down our lives so that God can pick them up. We need to lay down our lives so that we can pick up the cross and go on with Christ. And we think, but that cross is too heavy. But what did Jesus say? He said, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. 
and my yoke is easy. And so we need to be filled with something that only God can give us. And that's the power of his Holy Spirit. And only the Spirit of God has the power to break up those hard places in our lives. To let go of things that on our own we cannot let go of. When God comes and sets us free, you know, he just turns that glass over and that cement all falls out. And we need to get to that place where we are empty so that God can fill us up with his love, with something new. You know, he takes away that heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh, a heart of love. He gives us a new spirit, the spirit of the living God. You know, Jesus said, it's better that I go because if I don't go, The Holy Spirit will not come. And God wants to fill us. And you can say, well, I'm saved. And God has done a work in my life. But there's always more that God wants to do in your life. He wants to move in a more powerful way in your life. You know, it's like a light bulb. You have a 41 light bulb in your living room <clears throat> and it's dim in there. He wants to give you a 61 light bulb. And when that burns out, he wants to give you a hundred light bulb. He wants to turn up the heat in your life. But we have to hunger and thirst after righteousness in our lives. It's up to us to seek God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. But it's up to us to seek God the power of Almighty God in our lives. We talk about power. You know, if you're a farmer, some people consider themselves lucky to have a donkey, a mule. One horsepower. If you had a team, you had two horsepower. If you had two teams, you could hook them all together. You had four horsepower. You could pull a bigger plow. And now we farm with 100 horsepower, 200 horsepower. 
But it's the same way in the Spirit of God. Acts 1.8 says Hallelujah. And she started in verse 1. The former treaties I have made O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, he said, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his power. And verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost ends of the earth. Oh, hallelujah. He said, you shall. Not you might, not it could be, not perhaps, or maybe so. He said, you will, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Oh, hallelujah. When the Holy Ghost comes, he comes with power. It's not power to lift weights, although it might happen. I've heard testimonies of 
people that have had cars fall on them. And somebody comes and lifts the car off of them. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a power that the world cannot receive. It's a power that the world does not understand. Until you're touched by the hand of God and you realize that there is another realm, that there is a higher plane. We live on a physical plane. We are bound by physical laws. And yet, there is a higher plane. It's a spiritual plane. And the laws of that spiritual plane are above natural laws in this world. Hallelujah. And it's the power of God to break the bondages of Satan. It's the power to break bondages in our lives. You know, we think of cigarettes and alcohol and drugs and anger and unforgiveness and all those things that bind us. There is a power that comes from the throne of grace. It comes by the Spirit of Almighty God. It comes in a way that we don't always understand. It's a place that we enter by faith, believing that what God has promised he will do in our lives as he done in the lives of others. Hallelujah. Acts 2.4 The Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And if you go back, it says that they were gathered in one place, in one spirit. They were seeking the Lord when they heard the sound as a mighty rushing wind that filled the place where they were sitting. And they saw as tongues of fire that sat upon their heads. And that was the power of the Holy Ghost.
because God was moving in a supernatural way in their lives. And there was an evidence that something had happened because they began to speak in new tongues. And there were many people there from many different countries. And they heard the gospel preached to them in their own language. And they were amazed at what God was doing and what God had done. And others scoffed and said, these people must be drunk. They've had too much wine. But you can get so filled with the Holy Ghost that you can get happy. So happy that you don't have to go back to the bar again. You don't need that whiskey anymore. It's something supernatural that God does. No, there have been many great outpourings in the Spirit of God. One of them was in Azusa Street. And it was something that God did. It wasn't something that man had planned. It wasn't something that man organized. No collections were taken. No bills were posted to advertise the meetings. No church organization was back of it. All who were in touch with God realized as soon as they entered the meeting that the Holy Ghost was in charge. If anybody made it happen, it was the people who were praying that there would be a move of God. There was one man, William Seymour, blind in one eye, a black man who had been to Bible school, but because he was in the south, he had to sit outside the doors while they preached and while they taught. But the Spirit of God so moved on him that God used him. And what started out as a, a little home church, and quite often that's how it starts. A small meeting at home. And friends begin to gather. And God begins to move until so many people show up. They don't fit in the house anymore. 
and they have to move and find a bigger building. And they found an old stable where they had kept animals with a dirt floor, and they cleaned it up. And they took nail kegs and set planks across them. And that was their meeting house. And it was interesting the way that Seymour set it up. Because he put the pulpit in the middle. And he put benches all around. Just like the huge arenas that they have today. If you've ever been in the Maybe Center, the pulpit is in the middle. And they can open up the curtains, depending on how many people they have. And when they get a full house, the curtain opens all the way and you have seats all around. But the Spirit of God began to move. And it was the Spirit that drew people. And God began to do supernatural things. And in Los Angeles in 1906, there were lots of foreigners. And people would come to those meetings who hardly spoke English, Chinese, Japanese, Russians, people from all over the world. And they heard people speak in their own native languages. And they were amazed by the power of God. And the stories they tell, you know, are almost hard to believe. One day a man came with a wooden leg and the stump of his leg was getting raw and they thought that gangrene had set in and he asked for prayer. But Seymour, I think he saw a new leg in the spirit. He took off that wooden leg and he began to pray. I don't think he prayed that the leg would be healed. He prayed that the leg would be restored. And they said before their eyes, that leg grew out and was completely restored. Another man came who had lost his arm in an industrial accident. And it hurt. And he asked for prayer. And Seymour said, oh, we'll have fun with this. And he began to pray. And the arm began to grow out. And the people that were there said they saw the bone grow. And flesh 
and skin put on it. And as it grew out, a hand formed. And then fingernails. And his arm was completely restored. I heard the testimony of two old people. They were 79 years old. They were at Azusa Street when they were nine years old. The one girl was deaf. And her hearing was completely restored. And they interviewed her, and I, I saw the interview. And at 79, ooh, you could see that the Spirit of God was on her. And she had not lost her hearing after 70 years. The man that was with her was dying of tuberculosis when he was nine years old. And in 1906, that was a death sentence. And he was healed. And 70 years later, he was walking in the power of God. And that's what God can do. When revival comes. And faith comes. When we can believe that the word of God is true, that the word that God has given us will not return void if we will believe what is written and we'll speak it in faith. God is well able. And you know, in 1906, something happened that shook people's faith. Because in 1906 was the great earthquake in San Francisco that totally destroyed the city. Buildings were shaken to the ground and the ones that stood were burnt by fire. The city was decimated. And in Los Angeles, the ground began to shake. And people were in fear. They said, is it coming here too? And I think people opened their hearts to God. But we also live in a time where the earth is being shaken. Turkey, they had three major earthquakes there. There's a fault line that runs right through the middle of Turkey and runs up and down the coast. When I was there years ago, there was a big earthquake in Izmir, which is on one end of the country. The ones that happened now were on the other end. Things are being shaken. We stand on the brink of war, 
nuclear war. And I believe that there is a move of God coming because people are turning to God because there are no answers in the world. There is a move of God coming on the earth. It's a wave of God's glory. A surfer waits for the big wave. And that, that's what I see, you know. When I was California, in California, the surfers with their surfboards would wait on the beach for the big wave to come in. You couldn't surf without a wave. And when that wave comes, you don't want to miss it. Don't let it pass you by. You need to catch the wave. It's a wave of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes I wonder how many waves we have missed in our lives. But there is a time when God moves supernaturally, and I think it's beginning to happen all over the earth. There is a move of the Spirit of God. There's a revival taking place in China. There's a revival taking place in Russia. There's a revival taking place in Iran. There is a supernatural move of God in the earth. And God wants to move in our midst. And we have a part in that. We need to be like William Seymour and lay down our lives in prayer that God would move in a supernatural way in this place. When God begins to move, suddenly your building is not big enough. I've been on the edge of lots of revivals. You go to a meeting and you have to stand in line for hours to get a good seat. There have been many revivals in this country where there were more people on the outside of the tents than there were inside. More people on the outside of the buildings waiting to get in than there were inside. And that's what happens when God moves because the Spirit of God begins to draw people. Three things you need for a revival. Love, unity, and signs and wonders.
We just need to believe. You know, Billy Graham said, he said, I'm going to preach the same sermons when I die than when I started because God does not change. Oral Roberts said, we are unified in truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. The word of God is truth. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is not here physically, but the spirit of the living God is here. And we have the living word. And when we speak that word in faith, believing, it's the same as Jesus speaking it. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus said, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. Oh, hallelujah. So we walk in love. We walk in the truth of the gospel. Jesus said, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his brother. And God calls us to do that. Hallelujah. William Seymour said, he said, don't leave this meeting and talk about tongues. Try to get people saved. And when you go, remember, apostolic power will bring apostolic persecution. If God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven your sins, know it. And if you don't know it better than anything in this world, then you are still in your sins. If he has given you a clean heart and sanctified your soul, you know it. If you do not know it, the work is not done. If you are sanctified, people can see it in your life. But if he baptizes you in the Holy Ghost, it gives you a holy boldness to stand up before the world without fear. Men may say, it's of the devil, and you had too much to drink. Oh, but don't you know, when the Holy Ghost comes, and God begins to move in supernatural ways, you know it. People know it. They can feel it. They are being touched by the Spirit of God, too. And that's why people are drawn to revivals. Hallelujah. You know, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us that are saved, 
It is the power of God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Mark 10.15, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. You know, the gospel is so simple that a child can understand it. Hallelujah. A child can understand it. We don't need to complicate the, the scriptures. Jesus said it, and I believe it. He laid down his life on the cross that we may be free. You know, when Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross, there was a great earthquake that tore the veil of the temple from top to bottom. It split the rocks open. Things began to shake. And even the centurion soldiers at the foot of the cross looked up and said, surely he was the son of God. When that revelation hits us, oh, hallelujah, things begin to change. You know, February 8th of this year, at a university out east, there was a chapel service that never ended. Some young people got together after the service. They just stayed. They didn't go. And they were praying, and the Spirit of God began to move. And a revival started. It wasn't planned. It wasn't slick, slick marketing. It wasn't because of famous musicians. But they elevated Jesus as a focal point, pure, peaceable, willing to yield, radical humility, raw compassion and honesty, selflessness to create space at the table for others, renewal, always deeper and always outward. It's neighbor serving, serving your brother, and all for the glory of God.
when people come together with humble hearts, seeking God. And God begins to move. And supernatural things begin to happen. And lives are changed. And God begins to move in signs and wonders. You have revival. You have breakthrough, freedom, salvation. Because Jesus emptied himself at the cross. He laid down his life. He became obedient to the point of death so that every knee might bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Romans 5, 5 said that, says that God's love is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And it's the love of God that changes us. It's the love of God that restores us. He does it by his Holy Spirit that indwells us. And so we know that if you need a breakthrough, a breakthrough in any area of your life, know this, that the price was paid in full at the cross. That's for healing in your body. That's for every area of your life. Jesus died that you might be free. That you might walk in the freedom that only he can give. That you might have peace in the midst of the storm. That you might not fear. But that you might walk in the rest of Almighty God. In the midst of the turbulence that goes on around us. In the midst of the lies of the enemy. In the midst of economic chaos. We trust God. We believe that God will honor his word. And he'll do it for us individually. Because he loves us. Because we are written on the palm of his hand. Because he has the hairs of our head numbered. He knows us. He wants to bless us. And so we need to be open to the things of God. And turn off that voice. That sometimes would try to discourage us. The Bible says, taking all thoughts captive to the knowledge of Christ. And that's really the secret. Personal revival. You know, someone said you need to draw a circle and pray for revival and stand in the middle of that circle and say, Lord, start with me. Brother Gilles, the Lord tells me that you need to come up here and pray for revival in this church. 
in this city, in this state, in Beltrami County. Revival. Revive us again, Lord. We have, we have power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Please come. Please, Holy Spirit. We are desperate for you, Lord. Where else shall we go, God? The word of life is on you. Forgive our sin, mighty God, because our sin is great. We have doubted you, Lord. Even when you say you are doing it, Lord, we look the other way. We have failed to come to your presence. We have failed to go on our knees and seek your face. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive the way we treat one another, Lord. Forgive the anger that we walk around with. Forgive our unforgiveness, O oh God. Holy Spirit, we need you in our church. Please come once again, Lord. The throne of our church is yours. The leadership of our church is yours, Lord. The way to follow is yours, O oh Lord. Jesus, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. Come again, my Lord. Shake us once again, O oh God. Deliver us from our chains, O oh God. Let the chains be broken, O oh God. For those who are sleeping, O oh God, shake us up, O oh mighty God. Can you please start talking to him? Just you and him. Talk to God. Tell him that you want more of him. Tell him that you want him to come. Open your heart to him. Let him be the king. Let him be the one who leads. Let him be the Lord. Let him be the one who gives direction. Go ahead and pray with me. Go ahead and start praying. Ishataka mahanda makeri araba santa ya handa mas. Irehende makasanda handa makete maruba hantas. Isaka kara mahende makanta ya mahinde masata. Iramahara bakari arasanta makende mabruza hai. Ilaba shanta kamahende masutaka raba hinta kai. Irama sende keri araba shanta la handa mahende sata. Holy Spirit, come afresh, Lord. 
Let your fire fall on us, mighty God. Let your fire in our hearts, O God. Let your fire in our bones, O God. Let your fire in our flesh, O God. Holy Spirit, quicken our mortal bodies, O God. Quicken us, O Lord. No sickness in us, O God, because we are your temple. Let the temple carry you, O mighty God. Revive us. Let the light of Ten Strike Church shine brighter, O God. A lighthouse of yours, O God. That thousands will come to, to receive light. To receive restoration. To receive healing. Breathe in our street, O mighty God. We release your angels in our street, O God, to carry your word. To carry restoration. To carry peace. In our homes, O Lord, we release your angels. Let them bring peace, O God. In our county, O God, we release your angels. Let them go in our schools. Let them go in our universities. Let them go in our stores, O God. Let them go in our workplaces, O God. Let them go in our lakes. Wherever there is life, O God, we release them. In our state, O God. Raw, O God, you are the Lion of Judah. Raw once more, O God. In our nation, O God, everything that is hidden, Father, expose. Expose our sin. Expose our bad doctrines, O God. Expose our bad religion, O God. Be our religion, Mary God. Come again, my Lord. Let the wind arise and let that wind carry the eagles once more, O oh God. Let the wind arise, the wind of your spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come. The Lord is calling. Revival is simply you surrendering to him. Can you once again make your house a house of prayer? Can you once again invite him in the altar of your family? Where as a family we start gathering again to seek his face, to worship him. That is what he seeks. A home where he can dwell. A church where he will be free. That's why the veil in the temple when he was crucified was rented. That was the veil was divided. It wasn't for us to go in. It was for him to come out. And meet with you wherever you are. Come again, Holy Spirit. We read in Jeremiah, it says, Then you will call upon me and go.
go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Lord, we do seek you, and we pray that it may be, as Gus was talking about, that cement in the glass. Anything that would be keeping us from having the space, the capacity, the place for what you want to do in this day in my life, in our lives. We thank you that you are the one by your spirit, not by might or power in the flesh, but by your spirit. <clears throat> you remove that heart of stone, <clears throat> that place of stone in our lives and in our bodies so that you can make us free. Lord, you said that as we hunger and thirst for being right with you, we will be filled. Lord, we pray forth that hunger and that thirst for more of you, that there is more. There is more. As God said, there's always more. And we would receive that today. In Jesus' name, that our lights may be so bright, not the 40, not the 60, not the 100, but 150 and beyond, Lord. Just shining brightly, not under a bushel. Because we think of our friends and neighbors, fellow employees and those in our schools with us, Lord, wherever we are that don't know you. We pray for those fires of your spirit to grow in us. We draw the circle around. I draw it about around myself. We draw it around whoever would. We can do that right now. Begin with us, Lord. Lord, anything that's between us, that lump of cement or may there be nothing between us and you, Lord. Nothing between. We know that's what sin does. It separates us from you. Any areas where we need to cast down something that we know is displeasing to you, we cast it down. We know it's displeasing to you because we because you know that it's hurting us. So we cast it down in Jesus' name. And then in that place where that has been taking up bad space in a bad way, we receive your Holy Spirit there. Your Holy Spirit, and the light shines brighter. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
says the power of the age to come is here and it is now. The power of the ages to come, it is now. I have so much of my presence to reveal to you. So much of my power that you've never experienced before. Let me in. I will take you places you've never dreamed of. I will show you heaven. I will show you my face. I will carry your children. They will be protected under me. Do not fear for them, but release them to me. I have more to give you that you have never seen. My word says that eyes have not seen, no ear have heard, but I have prepared for you. Come to me. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> well, be aggressive with your thoughts. And when those negative thoughts come in your life, hit the delete button. And remember God's promises that he is always with you to keep you and know that help is on the way. Help is on the way. God is for you in your weeping, in your rejoicing, in your coming, in your going. God is with you and may his blessings be upon you and on your families and on your children and their children for a thousand generations. Hallelujah. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you. And make his face turn toward you. And give you peace. Amen. Hallelujah. The cooks are waiting for you. Impatiently. <laughs> Dinner is served. <laughs> and there is room at the table. Amen. And so you are cordially invited to eat with us. And fellowship. And we if just you thank like, you for if that. If you would like prayer, be free to come up here too for that. Thank you, brother. I've been trying.